our places, our people. These are our stories. Well, as we shine another spotlight on one of our local businesses in our podcast series here on the listener app called Our Stories, and this time uh, we uh, turn our attention to precinct urban planning, and uh, Andrew Bullen joins me in the uh, studio this morning to have a chat about exactly that. Say so, uh, good morning. Thanks, Lee. Um, appreciate you having us on. Look, uh, first of all, I suppose, for a lot of people, what what does an urban planner do? Right, well... And can you sum it up in a in, in a in a couple of sentences? I guess. Yeah. No, look, there's a number of dimensions to what we do. I guess the way I often describe it when I'm asked is it's really all the law to do with building and development, construction, those sorts of things. So, basically, there's a range of approvals that are required and processes you've got to go through to build. Even simple things. So we handle a range. We handle anything from simple things like an Airbnb, someone converting yep. their house, right through to some of our more um, notable projects. Obviously, we assisted with the Wellcamp Airport. Oh, yes, North, we'll get to that. Absolutely, North Point Shopping Centre and a number of others. Um, and so all of those projects have different levels of complexity, but that's certain. Certainly, one dimension of it. The other dimension of it is strategic planning, if you like, so looking forward. So obviously a lot of government agencies will want to get ahead of growth and those sorts of things. So the other thing we do is we'll often contract to councils and state government and things like that and do studies and investigations which sort of highlight what's needed for future growth. And that can be everything from infrastructure to social facilities like hospitals and schools and a range of other things. So you're there at the start of a project, like, and, and we'll, we will talk more about these uh, these bigger projects. But let's say it's the the World Camp Airport. Uh, you're there right from the word go, or do you come in at a certain point? No, usually right from the word go. Yep. So um, quite often people come to us with an idea, yep. and the World Camp Airport uh, would have been one hell of an idea to be John presented. Wagner came yeah, to, I'm building an airport. And we're very thankful for the for <laughs> Wagner. They've been great and loyal clients to us for a long time. But it it essentially started with that and. And, um, um, and then it's really, how do we make it happen? And, uh, you, you know, Toowoomba's blessed with, with, with a number of really go-ahead and can-do entrepreneurs, and the yep. Wagner's obviously very prominent in that. But um, the city's really benefits from that. But, but it's really then coming and saying, this is what we want to do. How do we get there? Okay. So we try to, we often talk about navigating a, a regulatory maze, if yep. you like. It's no different to doing your tax with an accountant or if you've got a legal problem going to a, to a lawyer to, yep. to help you through the legal system. We help people through the planning system effectively okay. and the regulation. So... 21 years ago, you start precinct urban planning and you've got offices here in Toowoomba and also in Ipswich now. That's right. Uh, how many people all up? Uh... So we're not, most planning firms, the biggest planning firms you'll probably get even in Brisbane will yep. be maybe 30 strong. Yep. So you don't have, it's not like engineering or necessarily things like that. So we're, we've got about 12 staff yep. across the two offices. Um, and I guess starting off, both myself and my wife were both planners. It didn't make for exciting conversation around the <laughs> dinner table, but... But um, so we're both in that field. I'd worked, um, planners can work essentially, will essentially work either in state or local government or private practice. Okay. I'd, I'd worked in private practice for a, a large national firm, Urbis, who who are, who are um, much more metropolitan based. Um, 
I guess moved to Toowoomba, had always loved Toowoomba um, as a place to live in. I, I mean, I think it's still South East Queensland's best kept secret. Um, so very happy with the move. I guess when I came here, I did, was doing a bit of uh, work for the council initially, a bit of an internal review there many years ago. And I could just see, I guess, that the local market was a little bit underserviced with with the services we offer. And I probably unashamedly applied some of the things I'd learned in my previous life um, in terms of that. And then I thought, look, I really think there's an opportunity here. I could see the growth potential. So initially, look, I started out myself and my wife were just going to work for ourselves. And um, within a month, clearly there was a hole in the market because we had more than we could handle. (laughs) So then I unashamedly started, uh, I guess, uh, headhunting some good people. I got a a senior plan on a gentleman called Paul Kelly, who's been with us since the start of the business. And Paul at the time was one of the head planners in council. And Paul's been fantastic in the business. And then from there on, we really have, I guess in what we do, because we're dealing with the councils and the agencies all the time, we did get to try before we buy a little bit. Um, so, So that was great. And we could see some really... Great people locally, and uh, who who really had potential, and and some of those people we approached over time, and they've joined us, and we've we've grown over time. But really, in that first year or so, it was it surprised us how quickly it did grow, and I think that was more a a reflection of the demand for that service, the increasing complexity of the law around. Yep. You've got obviously um, planning locally is always fairly prominent with environmental issues we've got things like the housing crisis now the rental crisis and development and environmental impacts and all of those sorts of things so probably the prominence of the profession has grown over time yeah and uh and the need for the services and uh we're probably uh we probably started right at the right time in in the right place I put it back to, and we've got some good people, which has helped us along the way too. Where, where is the the role born from? Like, where are you, are you coming from a uh, a legal uh, standpoint, and you were going to uni perhaps to do law or something, and then thought, oh, this is an interesting aspect of that. I mean, I, I'm assuming you're not in, you know, year ten, and somebody says, "What's your dream to be?" <laughs> One day, and you say, "I want to be an urban planner," yes. or or is it, or is it something well, that you were aware of, and and this is how we get the societies that we live in and that was what it was interesting yeah. to you. Well, look, when when I went through, and that's that's back in the Middle Ages, yeah, back in the too. 80s, yeah. <laughs> um, but look, at, at that time, the, probably the prominence of the profession was a lot less than it is yep. now because obviously as areas grow and pressures increase, as I said, planning issues emerge more prominently these days. But when I went through, there's only two universities in Queensland who did, well, what I did was actually a Bachelor of Regional Town Planning at U- UQ. Wow. There was a degree at QUT too. Well, and you know, there might've been 15 people in each course. Um, now it's pretty well done at every university. They churn out a lot more every year, but there's still a shortage. We find it hard to get get people, good people, particularly experienced people in the field. Yes. Uh, so clearly they're not putting out too many planners because the jobs are there, which is good. <laughs> but um, I, look, I think it's, um, I stumbled on it really. I, I was always interested uh, in development generally and what was happening. And one thing I have found, I found that in my working life, that it's a great profession for sticky beaks because because you probably hear out things long in advance of them actually happening. And right. the airport was a great example. Like, yeah. Where, and we'll obviously talk there's about confidentiality we'll and things like that. Yeah, we, yeah. we can't talk about everything there. But but um, 
but just knowing that, my God, we're going to have an international airport coming to Toowoomba yeah. and, and what that's going to mean for the area and even major infrastructure too. Like we've been involved in the new base hospital here yes, and some of the other major projects indirectly, things like the second range crossing and whatever else. So it really it grabbed my interest. Yeah. Um, I probably come from a bit of a point of view of um, probably that legal sort of bent. I do do... Um, expert, what they call expert evidence in the planning environment court. So right. up here as an expert witness, that's another dimension of what we do. Yes. So just like anything. So that's the environmental impact that maybe putting that airport out there might have yeah. on the, a certain frog or a, or a, or a yeah. know, tree or a grass it, or whatever it exact, might be. It, exactly. Uh, and you are able to give testimony around that. Yeah, look, it, that's right. And there's, like in any field, there's disputes and people wanting to do developments who might have them refused or have requirements or conditions put on them and there's been a few there's been a lot of talk in recent years obviously about the the council here it's become more litigious I guess that and that's often a sign of pressure growth pressure and okay. um, competing demands and the community mightn't always be happy with a certain development and they'll want to perhaps take take that on um, or a developer might get refused and, and wants to then take that to court. So that's another dimension of it, but mm. it's really at the back end of that whole development assessment process, if you like, when Absolutely. it gets to the end and there might be a dispute. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, mm. it would have been an extraordinary project to work on that airport because it was so different, I would imagine, to mm. just about anything else, given that they were going to set up their own concrete plant out there. There'd be no trucks on the road, all these things that yes. you might logistically be planning for for a normal airport construction, this was a completely different animal. So it must have been extraordinary to just see all of that from behind the scenes. Well, it was too. And I think not only the vision to have um, an airport, but to put it there where you've really got a combination of some major infrastructure networks coming together. So um, for a long time, the Charlton Well Camp area has been flagged as um, what people refer to as an inland port, like yes. a real logistics hub. And uh, I mean, uh, the Wagners not only have the vision of having the airport, but really that is probably the the jewel in the crown or the or the anchor tenant, if you like, of the overall Wellcamp business park. Yes. And so that delivers, apart from having that connectivity for business and travel and all of those things, all the other benefits that that airport delivers, it also becomes a very attractive asset for businesses, major industries and that to locate around. And that's not only in the Wagner's land, but there's obviously land out there developed by FK Gardeners yep. and Interlink SEQ. They all, they're all working together. But ultimately, the vision, and I think anyone who's had anything to do with John Wagner in particular mm. knows there's no lack of vision there. No. He's always 20 years ahead of everyone in terms yes. of seeing those trends. And I think... Um, you can really have some iconic bits of infrastructure that fundamentally change uh, a, a big regional centre like Toowoomba and how it operates moving forward. And that's certainly probably the most critical one, I think, in tour. Then another one that you worked on, but but to this point hasn't come to fruition, uh, and that is in my part of the world, in Westbrook, Fern Lee. Mm. And uh, I can remember, you know, being a, a part of uh, the uh, initial introduction to this and the, the big sign goes up out there and they have me yeah. front a couple of commercials and so forth. And, uh, and I was only too happy to do it. And then... Since then, 
will for the for the regular punter sort of nothing and we don't know well you know we hear in the news that the council had given them stipulations and said no we well, can't have 1200 houses you can have 400 and you can do it bit yeah. by bit and so forth and that the perhaps the developer has gone well that's not going to work for us so they've walked away from it but then yeah. things still seem to be happening there there's, there's palm trees have been put in yes. now recently and all the yeah. rest of it so you know your role in in something like that uh, i mean you're sort of the liaise between the developer and the council is that is that, that where you fit yeah, into that that's correct okay then, yeah. and you're trying to get a happy medium between these two dysfunctional parties i can only imagine <laughs> who are on either end saying well we want this the best for our organization and the development and over here well we want to make sure we're looking after our ratepayers that's and right. how do we get something in the middle that suits both that that's right well look fernley is a fantastic project and what what i probably would say is watch this space because it certainly isn't um uh, dead in the water by any any means at all I think sometimes when you get quite a large project like that, even one that had wide community support, like for a a development like that with 1,500 residential lots, a town centre, a lot of benefits with it, Mm. there was only two, uh, when the application went through, there's only ever two people who lodged a submission and they were both supportive. So it was... It was a bit perplexing to a number of people why it didn't get off the ground. Mm. There were look, there were right, there were some some legal issues there, some probably political issues, I guess, at the time. And what I find as a place goes through that growth cycle, what you generally find is sometimes projects. Uh, I don't think that project was a he- before its time, but I'll add that. But but sometimes it just takes a while to bed down some of those issues. Okay. Um, I'm very encouraged by some recent changes in the council, particularly not only we both know we've got a new mayor and deputy mayor and they're, they're young and enthusiastic. And I think that's going to be great for the city. Yeah. Really positive about that. But we've also had a new planning director come on board, yes. board Nicholas Stefanoff, yep. the ex-State Integrity Commissioner. I think she is going to be a masterstroke for this council putting her on. I think she's already making some changes initially inside the organisation that probably had to happen, but also the culture of the organisation. But also the the limited contact I've had with her, I think she's got a real vision for where the city's going in the future. We probably haven't always had that at that level, uh, but we, we we have now, which is good. And, um, and I think um, we'll certainly be pursuing that project further. Um, Some of the issues that were issues three or four years ago when it wasn't continued with have probably been resolved now. And that's just a function of time. It's how infrastructure, suddenly some bigger ticket infrastructure items have to be bedded down first. That's now happening with dams and other things. Okay. And so I would, I'm very encouraged that in the next few years, the benefits of that project will be realised. That will be fantastic. Yeah. So it's certainly certainly still on the burner. So just <laughs> just sort of wrapping up, the, you know, with the, with something like the uh, the housing crisis and the, and you guys, this is <clears> your your thing, you're thinking <clears throat> 10, 15, 20 years in the future, I'm assuming all the time. Yes. I, I mean, for a lot of us, this has just happened. You, I'm assuming, would have seen the writing on the wall for some time ago and yeah. be pulling your hair out and going, why is more not happening around this? Yeah, Lee. Well, yeah. look, that has been, I guess, a personal frustration of mine. <laughs> uh, we, we actually did, uh, and it was as part of the Fern- Fernley project yeah. at the time, we actually did uh, quite a detailed land supply study across the city, which probably flagged some impending shortages back in 2017. 
uh, sorry, 2017, 2018. We then did a bit of work with the chamber a number of years ago, presentation probably three or four years ago now, looking forward at, and we highlighted some of those problems. Um, Look, and it's always contentious, I guess, things about land supply, how much growth. Some people don't want any growth at all. Yes, I know. Um, and some want <laughs> yes. growth everywhere. So it, it's it's always a contentious topic. But I think um, what we've seen in housing, in Toowoomba in particular, it's, it's sort of felt it more acutely than some other areas, is that, in my view anyway, if there's not enough land to be developed, what generally happens is the options for people to buy and build reduce, what then happens is they tend to, if you like, cannibalise the rental market. So what happens is shortage of supply, prices go up, people, um, it's quite attractive for someone who might have had a rental property then to sell it to an owner-occupier. The owner-occupier needs to buy it because there's not too many other choices, not much Uh, supply. What then happens is that pushes up values, it pushes up rents, and sadly what we see is the people at the lower end of the market... Mm Um, that really need that affordable housing get squeezed out. And that comes with, with that comes the social issues with homelessness and things like that. It's a fascinating conversation. I could keep going. I, we could uh, we could talk for hours and I'm sure you'd be happy to uh, <laughs> to continue doing exactly that, Andrew, but I better let you go and do uh, the rest of your day and I really appreciate it. Uh, congratulations on 21 years of precinct urban planning. Here's to another 21 and Thanks, uh, looking forward to some amazing projects that you guys are involved in. Uh, and uh, don't forget, of course, right here on the Listener app, our our stories, uh, telling you the stories behind the scenes of those businesses you might come across, but you may not know the story. Well, now you do.